And uh, good afternoon. Yeah, five minutes after uh, four here, and welcome to the show. Once again, Leah is in the driver's seat, so all your questions on air can be uh, filtered towards her. She'll do her best to answer them, give you the best advice possible in the shortest time possible. That's why it's so great to call the show. Don't be bashful. Use the number. Use the knowledge that is here for the next hour. Uh, helping you with something that affects pretty much all of us if you're of legal working age so the time you retire this is a show that matters to you and it should because it where it's where you spend the majority of your time is working whether that's at the workplace or of recently over the last eight or nine months you might have been doing that from home exclusively either way you got to know your rights because those have not changed so you you got to know what you're talking about 604-280-9898 604-280-9898 use that number to call into the show now as we are live on another sunday afternoon email address we refer to is help at employmentlawyer.ca and i'll give you a I'll give you a link to a website which is uh, completely and utterly useful. It's chock full of wonderful employment law and knowledge. It's free. It's uh, anonymous. You don't have to let anybody know you were there. If you don't want, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And as part of that website, rolled into pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, is the severance pay calculator and so much other useful stuff as well. So check that out. But we're going live here. Let's uh, let's get some phone calls happening ready for you. 604-280-9898. Leah, my pal, what uh, what do you got going on today? Well, first of all, John, I just want to let you know I cannot guarantee that this show today is going to be free of children in the background. They, uh, as it gets <laughs> nice. darker and as it gets colder, we just have less places to take them. And so uh, if you do hear screaming, I assure you that everything is fine. It's just the joys of working from home. They aren't locked in a closet somewhere. Um, I'm and for it. Yeah. you know, John, honestly, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's just sort of a weird time of year. I was thinking yeah. in preparation for today, this is usually the time where, you know, and you love this every year going over the rules for the holiday party because it's such a big topic. So many people have questions about it. Um, and it usually tends to be like the more salacious facts that people ask questions about. Um, But, you know, nobody is having their holiday parties this year. And instead of answering questions uh, about holiday parties, I'm answering questions about whether or not your employer can can force you to get a COVID vaccine in a couple of months and, and, you know, super fun things like that. But, you know, it's still, like we always say, the pandemic at the end of the day really hasn't changed that much about the employment law relationship and your employment rights. And this, this next hour until 5 p.m. is the Employment Hour, which is a show that's dedicated to your rights. So as an employee, as a worker, we are here for you. If you've got any questions about your job, your Mm -hmm. workplace rights, your rights on termination from your workplace, the rights on if you're being laid off again, what you can and can't do on social media, give us a call. Happy to talk to you about it on air. Or of course, you could just listen in as we chat about the various files that I deal with on a daily basis as an employment lawyer. Uh, And of course, we can always chat off air too. So, you know, the one thing that I wanted to talk about again this week, uh, and I say again, because two weeks ago, we talked about this as well, and it just continues to come up. uh, And I speculated last time that I think that there's a lot of employers who uh, have just faced pretty significant liability um, through terminating people or laying people off for the first time 
you know, en masse that they, you know, were never considering that they would have to do. And because of that, they're now sort of turning their minds to how can I protect myself? And the number one way that any employer, any company can protect itself is through an employment contract. And so I've been seeing more and more of those both on an initial review and, of course, as part of a termination as well. And I wanted to talk about that again. Uh, This week, particularly, I spoke to a woman who'd been working for an organization for four years, uh, and she had just recently been terminated without cause. She was offered four weeks of her salary instead of notice of termination, and she gave me a call to see if this was fair. And of course, you know, before I get on the phone with her, I look at this situation on its face and I say, you know, four year employee only getting four weeks. No way. She's absolutely entitled to more. But before I can definitively say that to her, I have to take a look at any offer letter, right? Any employment agreement or contract. And this is because uh, a contract, if it's enforceably written, of course, and otherwise a good contract, often tries to limit what somebody is entitled to on termination. And in this particular case, that's exactly what this woman's contract did. You know, it said essentially that instead of the common law severance that you would otherwise get, you are limited to your minimum entitlements under the Employment Standards Act. And oftentimes there are ways to work around a provision like this. You know, we can either argue that that limitation itself or the contract on the whole is unenforceable. But in this case, unfortunately for this individual, she was actually limited to four weeks. And, you know, instead of the four to six months that she could have possibly received under the common law, you know, this is a very big difference and could have had a very big difference in this woman's life, particularly, you know, during the Christmas season. And I raised this today because, you know, we ended the conversation with her calling this experience, you know, a, a, a learning lesson, right? A teachable moment. And I thought that if I could get across that same moment to others today, you know, before we get to that point of termination, before we get to that point where your signature is on the bottom line, we might be able to avoid a situation like this in the future. So I'm just going to briefly, you know, talk about the contract Mm -hmm. uh, and some of the background to do that. You know, I think that there are a couple of things that cause someone to sign whatever is put in front of them at the beginning of the employment relationship. And I want to address both of them. Uh, The first being that they don't understand what it is that they're giving up in the first place, which is, I think, probably 90% of the time. Mm -hmm. And the second is that even if they do, they don't feel that they have any negotiating power when they want the job that's being offered. But let me just address the first one first. Say you start your your employment relationship without a contract, right? So maybe you're offered the job over the phone, told to come in the next day, and then you do. At that moment, the common law, which is judge-made law, right, which is all the cases that go through our court system, it automatically gives you certain contractual rights and entitlements. Even though it's not in writing, you automatically are presumed to be entitled to common law severance in the event that you're terminated without cause. And that's going to be approximately one month per year of service. It's going to vary, but that's essentially the very, very rough rule of thumb. Even if nothing's in writing again, you legally have a contract of employment and you automatically have this right to substantial severance on termination. Now, most contracts of employment, and it's important to note that many contracts take the form of offer letters, right? They look very innocuous. You're not going to be handed a document that says in big, bold letters, legal employment contract read carefully. A lot of the time it's going to be couched in all this congratulatory language that you got the job and, you know, just sign on the bottom line and don't worry about it. A lot of these contracts, they seek to limit you to far less than what your common law severance is. And in most cases, we'll try to limit you to one week 
per year of service to a maximum of eight weeks. It can be tricky because the offer letter or the contract will say, if we terminate you, you'll get what you're owed under the BC Employment Standards Act. And you might think, well, they're clearly following the law, so what's the harm in signing this? But there are effectively two different laws that apply to your severance entitlement. One is the Employment Standards Act, but the other is the common law. And if you sign an agreement that limits you to the Employment Standards Act, it is so important to know that you are signing off, you are signing away on your common law entitlements, and those could be significant. The number to call in and ask Leah a question, 604-280-9898. That is the way to do that. And just before we get to a break here, we'll slide Nicholas under the wire. Hey, Nicholas, good afternoon. Thanks for standing by for a moment. How are you? Really good. Thank you very much for you taking bet. my call. I, uh, I'm a 60-year-old man, and I'm expecting that my supervisor will ask me to do a job that's for a 20-year-old. There's, many, there's only two jobs on the job site that I can't do. And I could work, you know what I mean? But there's two jobs I can't do. And if he asked me to do one of those two jobs, would that be this this, this constructed? Go ahead. Yeah. So what would the what would the yeah what would the consequence be of you being asked to work that other job? Would it be that? you aren't going to be given hours, you wouldn't be working anymore? Well, I imagine that if I said, no, I can't do those two jobs, there's hundreds of jobs on that site I can do. But those two jobs, I okay. refuse to do. Okay, well, there's there's a big difference between refusing it and not being able to. You can't refuse work that's available to you, right? Just because you have a preference to do one job or the other. But if you're unable to do it, you said earlier that, you know, this is for a guy that's in their 20s. If you're unable to do it physically or mentally, and that's backed up with a medical opinion, then yes, if they force you to work in one of those jobs and they don't put you in one of the hundred other jobs that you're able to perform, then that absolutely could be a constructive dismissal and you could be entitled to severance. Tommy, appreciate the phone call. We're going to let you go. You want to reach out to Leah and get some more information. Uh, really simple. Here's how you do it, pal. 604-283-3123. Again, 604-283-3123. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. You sure are. And the number to call in plenty of time, 604-280-9898. 604-280-9898. Lines are open for the remainder of the hour. And email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. If you just want to shorten that down to employmentlawyer.ca, that website will give you links to our TV show as well that we've been doing for years. So you can have a look at that. It's a, uh, basically a 30 minute televisual, uh, feast of what we do here for an hour on the air on a, uh, on a Sunday. But you want to reach through now. We'd love to get you on. Nicholas made the call. You can too. You got time. Leah is ready. 604-280-9898. That is, uh, that is how we do that. The topic for today, my friend, is most common questions you get asked every day. You ready to do this? Oh yeah. Let's do it. Okay. First one is, why are you so damn fine? No, that's not the first question. The first question is, <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong, Leah. Can my employer terminate me? What the heck? Okay, well, the first answer is genetics, obviously. <laughs> yes, and the second right. the second answer is, uh, 
yes, your employer can terminate you despite the fact that you did nothing wrong. Um, and I put this as number one for the common questions I get asked mm-hmm. every day because, you know, I, I often don't get asked that question directly, but I would say that the vast majority of individuals who call in to, to my firm are calling because they feel like they were wronged in the reason for their termination. It felt like right. a blind side or, you know, they had just gotten a really solid performance review, um, you know, or they're the most senior individual in, at the company, in the company's employ. In those situations, somebody says, this doesn't feel right to me and I'm going to call. Now, in those situations, 90% of the time I can look at that and say, um, you know, you're entitled to more severance. Let's actually look at your severance package and making sure that you are getting everything that you're entitled to. But what I end up telling most people is that the reason why you were terminated isn't legally relevant. The only time that the reason for your termination can give rise to a legal claim is when you're terminated because of any of the characteristics that are specifically protected by human rights legislation, uh, or of course, um, if you make a uh, a safety uh, workplace complaint, which is probably particularly relevant right now. Uh, you know, if you just made a complaint about um, your your boss's response to COVID in the workplace and then you're fired, that is an illegal reason for termination. But barring that and barring the human rights element. A company can terminate you because they feel like it um, or because you got a bad performance review five years ago or, you know, just because for absolutely no reason whatsoever, as long as they pay you the severance that you are entitled to. Uh, it's it's a hard pill to swallow, um, especially because it seems like it's such a terrible business decision, right? To to have a company that can just sort of let you go for any reason, notwithstanding the fact that you're an excellent employee, right? Seems like it should be wrong somehow, and it probably is. I mean, it probably is a really poor decision on their end. Uh, but from a legal perspective, the only way that you are protected is through your severance entitlements. And that's why knowing what your severance entitlements are is so important. And that's also, of course, why it's so critical to go back to what I was talking about right before the break, uh, to ensure that you are not signing away or unduly limiting your entitlements because the last thing you wanna do is make it cheaper and easier for your employer to terminate you. Yeah, they can let you go, as as you mentioned, for pretty much any reason, as long as they pay a proper severance. But it can't be, of course, a discriminatory reason as well, or the fact that you're pregnant or going on mat leave. Those are those are big no-nos, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and you know, we still see it all the time. And, of course, <laughs> you know, we don't need an employer to say, look, like you're pregnant and we don't like pregnant people, so we're letting you go, right? That doesn't need to be in writing. You don't need a recording of this. Oftentimes, it is enough to... Uh, to just have, you know, the chronology look bad, right? It, uh, human right. rights violations are often all about the optics. So, you know, I was just recently speaking with somebody who had their contract renewed, two weeks later announced that she was pregnant and then was terminated. So, I mean, hmm. in that case, it, how is that company going to say that it's restructuring or anything to do that other than her pregnancy when they had just re-signed her two weeks ago? You know, yeah. like, I, I just don't see how the company is going to explain that. And that's typically what we look like. Um, human rights tribunal, the courts, they all recognize that racism, sexism, ableism 
all of all of that, all of that discrimination is insidious, and it is often implied, and it often has to be extrapolated from somebody's actions or omissions, or simply, like I said, the chronology. We were talking about the most common questions Leah gets asked every day through email and the phone and person, all that stuff. By the way, you want to make that phone call six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight. We're live here till uh, just before. Five o'clock email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. Next common question you get is, Leah, how much severance am I entitled to? It's all about the money, right? Yes, yeah. And, you know, it, it sounds so clinical to, to put it like that, too. But, I mean, it is, right? And like I said, that's the yeah. only way to protect yourself is to make it expensive to let you go. And the more that you're entitled to, the more expensive it's going to be. This is definitely the most common question that I get, and it makes sense, right? I mean, people call me all week to assess exactly this question. How much severance are you entitled to when you're let go? Um, and the answer to this question also generally causes the most surprise, and it's probably why it's still so common, is because you cannot find this question um, easily answered on the internet. It requires a lot of explanation on my part. Uh, it can sound almost too good to be true to some people. And I understand that because in some cases, you know, I'm telling people that they're entitled to 18 months instead of the eight weeks that their employer offered them. And so they, I, I completely understand why somebody is suspicious hearing that, right? They question why their longtime employer would shortchange them so significantly, or if it was so obvious or such a huge difference, you know, why their employer isn't following the law or why that answer isn't more um, you know, searchable on Google. And, and all I can really tell you, and this is a go-to line, is that I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't true and if there wasn't so much misinformation out there. That is exactly the reason uh, why I have a job. In fact, a lot of times in doing this show, I feel like I'm talking myself out of a job because it is because of all of the misinformation uh, that people, that employers often tend to break the law. You know, employers, I don't think, go into this thinking, you know, I'm going to shortchange this person knowing they're entitled to 18 months and I'm only going to give them eight. They just, they equally don't know. They also didn't get legal advice. Um, they simply just don't know any better. So a lot of websites and companies, they'll cite the Employment Standards Act as the basis for your entitlements. And the Employment Standards Act does set out an employee's entitlements in the event of a termination. And, but although it says the maximum is eight weeks, these entitlements, again, are actually only your base minimums. They're your floor. So they're not where you max out. And the only legally way that you max out at your Employment Standards Act entitlements is if you have signed a legal or enforceable contract that specifically and explicitly says that that's all you get. Without that, without a contract, without an enforceable contract that says that the Employment Standards Act minimums are all that you get, you're entitled to severance under the common law. Um, you know, every case that goes through our courts and is decided by a judge, we get new law and that's called common law. And as I said uh, before the break, it's usually about one month per year. This is why I always recommend that if you're fired, if you're let go, do not sign anything. No. Do give us a call. You know, we will review your package for free. We will make sure that you're getting getting everything that you're entitled to. You know, worst case scenario, I tell you that the package is great, and we get off the phone in 30, 45 seconds, and now you've got the closure of knowing that there was nothing that you were walking away from. You know, but yeah, obviously, in the vast majority of cases. I will likely say some version of this is not good enough and here's how I can help you. 
You know, and, and right along that, as far as common questions are concerned, you know, look at that severance package says, oh, Lee, it says I got to sign this back Friday at five or Monday at two, right? There's that, there's that pressure tag at a certain date. Like, what do I do? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a really huge source of anxiety and panic for individuals who call in is, you know, this letter says that I have to accept it by the next day or the end of the week or else I'm going to forfeit my entitlements. To answer the question, what do I do? Ask them for more time. It is that simple. Tell them that you need to sleep on it or talk it over with your spouse. You know, call your, call an employment lawyer, but tell them either way that they need more time. They will give it to, give it to you. I have, I think only one time I've seen an employer say, sorry, we're actually going to need it back by then. And even then, it doesn't really matter because your rights don't expire on that deadline. They are what they are at the moment that you're terminated and no passing of deadlines is going to change that. You know, it's funny, we often said on the show, and I know you said this as well, that you're, if, if your employer is like, they're offering you 50 bucks, but they owe you 100, and they're saying, you know, you got to have this back by Friday because, uh, you know, we owe you 50 bucks. It's like, no, I'm going to take my time because you owe me 100. Why would I sign back for 50? It makes no sense anyway because you're going to be shortchanged. So, yeah, take your time. Like you said, I think you said it's two years you have to make your uh, make your decision. No, I don't think anybody would take two years to sign back a severance offer, but under the common law, you have two years to sign that back and make a final decision, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, John, we should probably hire you at some point because you could probably run these intakes as good as anybody by now. But um, yeah, no, certainly. You know, I think that it is—it's really—it's um, really a common tactic that companies use to make you feel yeah. like there's some sort of time-limited offer on the line, and if you don't accept it, you're going to give up all of this money. But as you said, John. In the, the vast majority of cases, there's a lot more money on the table that you are leaving there right. if you sign. So always better to double check it. And if you don't have the time to double check it, get online. Pocket Employment Lawyer will tell you in about you know 30 seconds while you're in the bathroom. Yes, you are. Still plenty of time for you to call in. Grab a phone while the uh, we're still on the air here for the remainder of the hour. 604-280-9898. 604-280-9898. Or help at employmentlawyer.ca. Leah mentioned it after I did uh, just previously in the previous segment. Rather, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. That's a great resource. There's tons of information for you to, uh, to gather from that website. It's free. It's anonymous. There's even a section on disability law as well because they're they're intertwined so many times in uh, in proceedings and the severance pay calculator is up there as well pocketemploymentlawyer.ca back to our topic though most common questions lee you get asked every day this one is probably rocketed right to the top uh over the last eight nine months and that is my employer just put me on a temporary layoff what can i do about it yeah, I mean, that's been the hot topic this year, unfortunately, um, as mm-hmm. temporary layoffs have been the number one measure that uh, that employers have been using to sort of get through uh, the pandemic. And the big reason for that is because uh, employers who have the right to put somebody on a temporary layoff are essentially deferring the, uh, the owing of severance entitlements. Um, but you know, I, I do think that there's this assumption that employers have the automatic right to lay somebody off, um, you know, given the circumstances. I think that a lot of people assume that they just can happen, that they're a part of doing business. Um, and you even have a lot of individuals, I think, thinking that they should be thankful uh, for the layoff instead of just being terminated. But here's the important part. In a lot of cases, uh, in most cases, I would say, a layoff 
is a termination from a legal perspective because there is no automatic right to a layoff, period. It doesn't matter what the company's reasons are. And yes, it does not matter if there's a global pandemic. A layoff is a termination and being laid off entitles you to severance. The only way that the company can legally lay you off is if you've agreed to be laid off. And that agreement, once again, can be by way of a contract um, or it can be through uh, prior consent to layoffs. So, you know, if you've been working in a seasonal industry um, for five years and you've agreed to a layoff every winter for the first four years, you can't then claim that a layoff in year five is a termination because at that point you've condoned it and the right to lay you off becomes an implied term of your employment. So, you know, barring this or any kind of an agreement to be laid off in an employment contract, you cannot be legally laid off without your consent and agreement and being laid off entitles you to severance. Now, most people ask as a follow-up question, you know, am I not better off to accept the layoff and the possibility of recalled being recalled rather than treating it as a termination and being without employment altogether. And honestly, I mean, I see that point. This is where layoffs really suck and put employees in a really difficult position. You know, if you agree to the layoff when it happens and you accept your recall if and when that day comes, then you are actually exposing yourself to potentially more layoffs. If they have the right to do so, you know, an employer can lay you off for 13 weeks in any 20 week period. And so you could be put on layoffs time and time again. And and unfortunately that is what we are seeing right now, right? We are seeing uh, somebody who, you know, when they were laid off back in March of 2020, uh, looked at, you know, the legislation or they Googled it quickly and it said, okay, well, this is 13 weeks. I can, I can live on 13 weeks, right? I've got the savings. I can make this work. And then what did the government do? Like um, elongated it from 13 weeks to 16 and then from 16 to 24. And now you have a, you know, a group. Mm. More time when somebody might be laid off. So, you know, this is, this is really critical to know and to understand that um, if you agree to it once, just go into it with you know fully open eyes and completely understanding that that might get you into a cycle. You are essentially agreeing to a new term of employment, which is that your employer can lay you off. And there's no guarantee that it's just going to be that one time. Yeah, I mean it could be really detrimental to your uh, to your well being, but the common law again is still there, so you can you can pull the trigger and say no, I don't accept this uh, temporary layoff, nor do I ever plan to. It hasn't happened before. There is no record of it. I haven't laid down a a law. I haven't given that right away. So, let's talk about my severance, and your employer has to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, and you know, just to to put it into a specific example, you know, laying everybody off back in March of this year was actually really risky on the part of all of these companies. Um, you know, I, I, like I said at the beginning, a lot of employers think that it's a way of deferring severance obligations, but the only reason why that ever ends up being true is because employees don't know what their rights are. Right. At those moments where the companies had laid everybody off, all of those employees who had been put on a layoff could have said, I don't agree to this layoff. 
I am treating it as a termination and I want my severance. I'm going to start looking for another job. That is, that is your legal right as an employee is to say, I do not agree with this layoff. I am not going to sit at home for 13, 16, 24 weeks and wait maybe to be recalled. Uh, I want my severance now and just to move on. So, you know, a critical, critical thing to keep in mind, especially as we go forward into what is likely going to be a second layoff season. The number uh, 604-280-9898, that is the number to call through. We are talking about the most common questions Leah gets asked every day. This one comes up as well. You know, I tried to come back to work after disability leave, and my employer said, it doesn't have a job for me. Is that even legal? It might be. It's not. It's not necessarily illegal, and I think that that is. Um, you know, this is why this same topic is on the list of most common myths in employment law, because a lot of employees and employers believe that being on a leave makes you, you know, job immortal. But this is actually not true. You know, as I said before, an employer can terminate you for any reason at any time, and that includes during a period of time where you are on leave, where you're on any kind of disability leave or even if you're on parental leave. You know, the key is that the leave can't be a reason for your termination. It can't even be a fraction of a reason for your termination. So you can be terminated while you're on leave, but so long as your termination is not related to the fact that you are on leave, it is legal. If the leave was the reason behind your termination, and like I said, even if it's just 1% of the reason for your termination, then you have a human rights code complaint. You know, you may also have a human rights code complaint if there were jobs available to you that you could have worked in and the employer simply failed to accommodate you. You know, if you've been medically cleared to return to work, an employer has a positive duty to do what it can to what's known as the point of undue hardship to accommodate your return. Uh, so that includes, it often does include, you know, reduced duties, modified duties, part-time hours. But even if the leave isn't a reason, and even if every step has been taken to accommodate the employee, that employee is still entitled to severance. Uh, and in this case, you might be entitled to more than you might otherwise be if you have a permanent or, you know, particularly lasting disability that will impact your ability to find other work. So if you find yourself in this situation, it is extremely important that you give us a call. It's a, it's a, can be a very complicated area of the law, and certainly you want to make sure that you're navigating it appropriately. Emails help at employmentlawyer.ca, help at employmentlawyer.ca, the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Tons of information for you to uh, read up on there, free, absolutely anonymous. And the show today, we're talking about the uh, most common questions you get asked every day. Can my employer change uh, my pay? Can they move my job, relocate me, or demote me uh, without my consent, without me saying, yeah, sure? No, they can't. Um, again, like this is another reason why the contract becomes so important. The company has to have clearly reserved the right to do so. Uh, and often that's going to be in the form of a written offer or a written contract or agreement. And it has got to be something that you've seen and that you've signed that gives them the power to change your job duties or relocate you at their discretion. Without that, they cannot change essential terms of your employment without your agreement. You know, an essential meaning responsibilities, pay, of course, um, yeah. one of the most essential ones, and your general job location. 
Um, that also has been a question that has rocketed up to the top of the most common questions list over the last couple of months because, you know, a lot of businesses have been forced to pivot. You know, they're, they're adopting completely different models of, of conducting business. Or, you know, they're trying to make it work. They want to keep you employed. They don't want to let you go, but they need you to work part time or they need you. They're shutting down a location and they want you to work, uh, you know, in Kelowna. Um, you know, that is that has something that has really been um, quite commonly asked over the last couple of months. And it's important to know that you can, of course, accept it if you wish, but you don't have to. So if they change any of these terms, then you can either accept it or you can treat the change as a termination. And that is what Nicholas referred to at the beginning of this segment uh, or the show. It's called a constructive dismissal. And a Mm -hmm. constructive termination is essentially the same as a regular termination in that it entitles you to severance. You are saying, employer, you have signaled to me, perhaps not explicitly, but you have signaled to me that you are treating the employment relationship as we currently know it as being done and so now you owe me severance. So if the terms of your employment have changed and you do not agree to them and you don't want to agree to them and the employer doesn't have the contractual right to change these terms, then you absolutely are in a position where you can collect your severance. And welcome back. It is uh, 446. That means you still got uh, some minutes left to call and ask your questions if you want to. Lines are open. Bring it on. Maybe the best call you've made this weekend for sure. 604-280-9898. 604-280-9898. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll get to a few more of these talking points. Maybe uh, move on to the times you really need an employment lawyer. But finishing this list of the most common questions, Leah, you get asked every day says, uh, my employer just terminated me for cause. What can I do now? Other than panic, which we don't want you to do. No, but that's a completely common and understandable response. But once you recover from that, what can you do is challenge it. Our employment law says that an employee is entitled to notice in the event of a termination. And so an employer saying that it has cause to terminate you means that they are saying they do not owe you any notice or severance. And that because of you, the employee, because of your actions, you don't get what you're otherwise legally entitled to. So this is a very high legal bar. An employer has to show that you have acted in such a way so as to essentially fundamentally breach the employment relationship in such a way that you become the party responsible for bringing about the end of the employment relationship. And that would eliminate any obligation on them to pay you any severance. So they don't have to pay you anything. It's, uh, it's essentially like, you know, an at-fault collision. You're not going to be paid for your injuries if you were the one who drove through the red light. In an employment relationship, driving through a red light would be like stealing, uh, you know, committing fraud, any sort of harassment, uh, acting violently, um, you know, history of insubordination, those kind of things. But the employer has to proceed cautiously. Um, you know, I find more often than not these days an employer is taking more risks with trying to assert cause because it's a way of uh, eliminating liability. They trade on the fact that a lot of individuals are embarrassed to be terminated for cause, embarrassed to not be given any severance, and so they won't take it to a lawyer. Um, But an employer who wants to terminate an employee with cause has to do so, you know, pretty much immediately preceding the offending event. Um, Or after they've spent a lot of time 
building a case against you. And I do mean a lot of time. And if, if an employer is trying to claim that it has cause for performance issues, it can't just take one poor performance review and say that that's enough to terminate you for cause. For those less serious offenses like performance or insubordination or absenteeism, the employer needs to show that they've provided you with multiple warnings. They have to show that they've made their expectations known to you and that they've given you a real opportunity to improve. It is only after all of this from a timing perspective that an employer can terminate you with cause. Right. End of the day, cause is called by our courts the capital punishment of the employment relationship. It is a very serious position to take against an employee and it can be enormously difficult for an employer to prove and I think rightly so. So if you've been terminated for cause, call us, call a lawyer and absolutely challenge it. Let's get to the last one for this topic, and that's uh, the worst, well, not the worst days, but the things you get asked uh, pretty much every day, Leah, on the phone or in person or, you know, grabbing your coffee. He says, Leah, Leah, uh, I'm being harassed in the workplace. What can <laughs> I do? This one's almost a no-brainer. Yeah, honestly, I have to say being an employment lawyer means never going to a social event where you aren't asked something about employment law at some point during the course of the night because these these because these problems are common to everybody yeah, whether you're sorry. an employee or an employer everybody has a workplace issue um and and this is why the most common questions is is fairly uh is fairly accurate in covering the scope of them is because i i literally hear them all the time every day but this one yeah i mean harassment is is a big one um and if you are being harassed in the workplace um you should follow your employer's procedures hopefully uh, legally, your employer needs to have policies and procedures in the workplace, um, and you should make those policies and procedures work for you. Make the complaint, move up the chain, and ensure that it is adequately addressed. Now, obviously, that's that's going to feel like it's not feasible for everybody. Some people feel afraid, you know, they, or they don't want to immediately escalate things. They don't want to immediately, you know, make a formal complaint of harassment that feels very caps locked and scary. Um, and while that absolutely shouldn't stop you, I do understand why somebody would feel that way. So at the very least, if you find yourself in this position where you feel like you're being harassed, somebody isn't treating you well at work, but you don't, you're just not at a position at, your, at this point in your job, at this point in your life where you want to make a complaint, at least write it down. Start papering your file. Put yep. it in an email to yourself so that you've got the date and the time and write down what happened, who did it, and how it was dealt with uh, or not dealt with as the case probably is. Hold on to this for the future if you need it. But better yet, um, if you feel like it, send the email, right? That's not that's not a formal complaint. It is just an email. Uh, mm -hmm. And you can you know send a bunch of emails once you've got a few of them written to the person who is offending you or your supervisor or HR. If you don't feel comfortable making that initial complaint, at least start compiling that record of everything that's happening in the workplace. There's also a point at where harassment in the workplace can give you the right to severance. You know, we were just speaking before the break about constructive dismissal, meaning a dismissal of or a termination of employment that you can construe from somebody's actions, from your employer's actions instead of words. So instead of your boss explicitly saying you're fired, it's, you know, we're reducing your pay by 30% or we're moving you out or, you know, we're demoting you from sales manager. As an employee, you are entitled to construe those actions as a termination 
termination and collect your severance. And the same thing works in the case of a constructive dismissal with harassment. If there's harassment in your workplace and it's going unaddressed, then you are allowed to claim constructive dismissal and seek severance. So get a call in here from uh, Susan. Susan, thanks for uh, standing by. Good afternoon. How are you? Very well. Excellent. Go ahead. So um, I was sick and it was dizziness. I went to the doctor. It's vertigo. Um, I told the employer, I said, I've got medicine. I'm okay to return. And they said, no, sorry, it could be COVID. You need to stay away for 14 days. Uh, In addition, I did go get a COVID test. It is negative. So then I said, well, here, I have both things, no doctor's note, as well as the COVID test. I want to come back work. No, we're taking your, you can utilize your sick days. I don't have enough sick days. What do I do? Well, um, how long have you been there? Uh, Three years. Three years. Okay. So if you want, I mean, this is a situation where you could potentially be entitled to severance. Um, If you are looking and able to work uh, and your employer is not permitting it for a good reason, and it certainly seems like there is no good reason here, if you have the negative COVID test and you have been medically cleared to return to work, then your employer in denying you the ability to come back is essentially terminating your employment. And so at this point you can say, I'd like my severance. Now you can also, I think, maybe take a lighter approach Um, You know, a lot of people who are in your situation, I essentially ghostwrite letters for them. You know, I act as a bit of an armchair quarterback and I help them write letters to their employer that say, look, this is this is the situation. I sought legal advice. I understand that these are my rights. Um, I would like to come back to work. I'd like to work for you. I've been with you for three years and I'd like to continue that relationship. But if you don't bring me back, I'm not going to have any other option than to seek my severance. So, you know, sort of like take that first shot across the bow, right? A little bit of a warning shot to let them know um, that you are informed and that you are prepared to act. Because in that case, they might say, okay, I'm sorry. Come on back. You're absolutely right. Susan, appreciate the call. You want to uh, make a call and call uh, Leah now or at least after the show uh, during the week, you should do so for sure. 604-283-3123. 3123 is a way to do that. I'm going to give the email address uh, as well, just in case you, you didn't grab it. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. And always go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. That is a, a wonderful website. Tons of information out there. And you'll get to the uh, severance pay calculator as well. That's a handy-dandy piece of uh, piece of work on the website. It's been around for years, and literally hundreds of thousands of people have used that. Um I think we're done for the day, pal. I think that's all we got time for. But uh, again, send emails along to Leah at any other time. Go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And if you go to employmentlawyer.ca, you'll catch uh, connections to our TV show as well, which has been going on for years and years. So appreciate all the calls and emails. We will get to back to uh, what we didn't get to this week, Leah, on next show. That would be next weekend, next Sunday. Employment Law Show on CKNW.